You're listening to The Science of Superpowers with Tonya Dawn Reclar. Listen here, read the book, and dive into the experience. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Science of Superpowers. I am so incredibly excited about this conversation today. For those of you who follow me from Superpower Up into Disrupt Reality and now into Science of Superpowers, you're very familiar with this gentleman that we're talking with today. And then you're just as excited as I am because when, when Perry comes on the show, we have some really phenomenal conversations and we get to dive into worlds that um, that I, I can't even express how much I appreciate the fact that he moves in these spaces. For those of you who have moved into this kind of synergistic collaborative space, you fully appreciate when people are fully in their brilliance and are doing what they're here to do, because then you don't have to, right? And you get to have the benefits of it. You get to glean it. You get to see the advancements of it. You get to kind of walk alongside of it. You get to compare notes. Like the the, the gift in that, for those of us who, who with eyes to, to see and ears to hear, is that we just know and we're able to kind of sync up in those spaces and go, okay, yes, uh, what are you doing? Is, is it connected to mine? No, maybe not, but okay, cool. I'm going to sit back here. I'm going to love you from afar and just appreciate your work, right? Because we see that it's all building and, and, and walking us toward the same place. And in that to me is at the heart and nature of, of why we're here, of the collaborative aspect of us. Plus, you know, if, if you're into the religionism or spiritualism at all, like, some of us feel like we have some pretty clear directives to figure out how to get along together and to figure out how to be nice to each other, maybe work together, right? And so so some of us have such lofty aspirations. So when we encounter people who are willing to step into those spaces with us, it really does light us up. And I believe in the exponential power of that. And Perry is absolutely no exception. In fact, I would say that he kind of tops that 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 group of people in my, in my book, which is why I keep inviting him back on my shows because I love talking to him. And so today we're going to talk about creating evolution. And not only is Perry brilliant and he, he's, he's divisive and he's willing, I wouldn't say divisive, what was it, dissident? I, I, he's willing to to disrupt, right? He's not afraid to, to create some friction in order to produce results. And um, and really well-founded, I think, in the heart and soul of, of doing good in the world. And, and that that's really important in our world. But to that end, he just recently got a paper accepted, which for those of you who blog and write articles and all these other stuff, to, to, to get a journal paper or, or accepted or, or approved um, in terms of a, any sort of status in the scientific community is huge in our work because otherwise it's, it's all kind of empirical evidence or esoteric maybe at best. And, and so his paper, Biology Transcends the Limits of Computation, is all around this concept of where creating and evolving meet up, where creation and evolution kind of appear to be at odds on the surface, but really are, are part of the same thing. And so that's the basis for our conversation today. Obviously, I'm very excited about it, but I'm going to go ahead and bring on the man of the hour, Perry Marshall. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Tanya. It's great to be here. Thank you so uh, much. You are so welcome. So happy to have you here. And so, so here in Science of Superpowers, we ask the question, what are your superpowers and how are you using them for good right now? Uh, well, I have a list of six. Uh, I probably wrote these down <laughs> years ago. Uh, I deconstruct, invent, write, teach, encourage, and evangelize. That's like the six things that Perry does. And um, I kind of look at my daily activities like, uh, 
at any given time in the day, I should be combining at least three of them at one time, ideally <laughs> five or six. And, um, and so I, I don't know, I bet we're checking off four or five today. So I love it. <laughs> I'm, happy, I'm really delighted to be on the show. Oh, well, thank you so much. See, I think you should have like a rating system, like a, a, a six superpower day, a five superpower day. Like we could, we could get really creative and gamify it. Like you had five SP day, you know, we, we could, we could have fun with it. You could get like little um, stickers um, that you can put like, I don't know, on, on your desk and then you would know. You well, could yeah. like accumulate it, right? Like kids in school. Yeah. And, and, and I tell my clients the, the areas where you're checking off most of those boxes are that's your thousand dollar an hour work or your $10,000 an mm. hour work, so to speak. Um, yeah, or literally beautiful. sometimes. So yeah, yeah, like, and everybody needs to be doing that. And everybody needs to be shedding the stuff that is a baggage because. <laughs> you're so funny it's like i don't i am i'm obviously cut from that same cloth and it's like i don't understand not wanting to or i don't understand the resistance it's like ultimately you finally figure out that it's not resistance isn't just futile it becomes really painful and it's like it's just not necessary and so so i tend to kind of run through those spaces too um it's you and i can talk all day long about kind of walking this walk and living this life and i'd reached out originally talking about faith because one of the the things that I'm most fascinated in is, is our, um, you know, our hesitation to, to say that that matters, right. Our, our hesitation to say, but, but what if we're forgetting like the, the, maybe the most pivotal element, like, like maybe in our, our questing to deconstruct the world we're we're missing an essence that, that, that isn't captured in the way that we've, we've kind of leaned into or maybe abdicated to, to show us proof. And, and it doesn't mean an either or, right. And, and to me, that encompasses this quest that you've been on to, to find where evolution and creation meet up. Do they meet up? Like, like what happens when they don't, what happens when they do, like, how, how is, how are both possible? Like, how, how is this, how, how does it work? And, um, and, and so, so as I sat in that, in that space, I, I, I'm curious about maybe along the trajectory for you, how did you reconcile like the, the, the faith walk with the science walk with the mathematics walk? Like, like you're so in sync with it now, but I'd imagine it wasn't always that way. No, no. Um, well, the, the story starts when you know, my, my brother and I grew up together, were pastor's kids, and, and he went to seminary and became a missionary in China, basically. And I was, you know, I went into engineering and business and entrepreneurship, and I went to visit him. And I knew that he was struggling with a bunch of big questions because, you know, the answers they gave him in seminary were fraying at the edges. And so we had these, you That's know, a very delicate way to describe it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and that's a, that's a good way of saying, yeah, what you just said. Right. So, <laughs> so, you know, we were kind of tussling a little bit about this stuff, but when I went to visit him, I suddenly realized he doesn't even believe this anymore. He has really mm. uh, gone over the waterfall he his his political views are already changing his like a lot a whole bunch of things are just kind of switching mm. around 
And so I, w- I was very unsettled by this. And it, it wasn't just about him. It was also about me because he is really smart and I cannot ignore a good question. Like I can't, like if something doesn't make sense, I, I can't just sweep it under the rug and go, well, you know, I'm just going to believe that anyway. Because that's what <laughs> faith is. Like, um, uh, like a lot of people think faith is believing something that is manifestly and obviously untrue. And that is not what faith is. Mm-hmm. Uh, faith, faith is, is going beyond what you know to what might be true. And then kind of uh, work, working off a, a set of assumptions that you're always hoping to improve. So, so I, I was really troubled by a lot of his questions myself. And, um, and I was feeling a little threatened. And I go, Brian, look at the hand at the end of your arm. This is a nice piece of engineering. And I should know because I'm an engineer. So, you don't think this is an accumulation of random accidents, do you? Now, before I go further with the story, I think that at that time, it's like, if I had a question like, so is the world a purposeful place? All I had to do is like, look down at the end of my arm and I'm like, yep. Like, end of story. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Brian challenged me. He's like, hey, wait a minute. And (laughs) right back with and i think everybody's kind of heard the whole darwinian evolution hey you don't you don't need any designers and you don't Mm -hmm. need any intentionality all you just need this mindless process to go on for millions of years and natural selection will produce a hand like and i and i thought well you know i'm i'm really not sure that I buy that because I've never seen that actually work in engineering and I've done a lot of things, but I know a bunch of biologists would totally agree with him and not agree with me. And they can't be that stupid. Mm -hmm. So like, do they know something I don't know? I'm going to go home and I'm going to find out. Um, And so for me, it wasn't a question of creation versus evolution. I had already sort of, come to the conclusion before that, that it was really, is it billiard balls banging around in the universe or is there a purpose? <laughs> okay. And, 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 and like, I was fine if, Hey, if evolution is kind of how it comes to be, that's okay. But what Brian was saying is there's not even a purpose in evolution. It's just finding mm. away mindlessly. And that really got my goat. Uh, for two reasons. First of all, at a very primal religious instinct, it just didn't sound right. But then also as an engineer, I was like, okay, I have never seen anything work that way in my professional experience. In my professional experience of designing speakers for Honda Civics or Jeep Cherokees or industrial networks uh, in the next career after that, or, you know, know, websites and e-commerce and everything else I've ever done. Like, I don't see mindless, blind, purposeful processes doing anything. So what's going on here? And, And my decision at that point was, I am going to follow the evidence wherever it goes. And if I can find out that there is a legitimate 
um, principle behind this that I that nobody taught me in engineering school that I guess it's probably going to change my whole conception of engineering and the world and everything. But if this makes me an atheist, so be it. Mm-hmm. Wanting to know over wanting to remain attached to the outcome. Yes. And it was scary. Yeah, it was, of course. It was nervous. Uh, I was more than nervous. I was like, well, you know, uh, am I going to end up like Brian? Because he was actually, at this point, he was kind of angry about the whole mm-hmm. thing. Um, you feel lot. duped, I think. I think people feel foolish. And yeah. like like they bought into something that they should have known better. And that that fear then keeps us from stepping out on faith again and, and yeah. trusting again. Yes, Brian felt duped. Most atheists I've met felt feel like they were duped. Um, mm-hmm. And then, like, well, you know, am I? Is my wife going to go to church without me and take the kids? That's or, right. You know, are we going to have arguments about that? Uh, what's Thanksgiving dinner going to be like? Like yeah. all of these things. So it was it was terrifying. Well, and I love that you're being so candid about that because that really is, in our experience, what ends up happening, right? Through our clients and through the thousands of interviews I've done at this point with with people who have, have accomplished quite a bit of actualized success in, in the material reality. And that is a big part of what keeps us from moving into any sort of growth phase as it butts up against us because we are afraid of what it means about us and what it's going to mean about our relationships and what it's going to mean about our worldview. And yet, undeniably, there's this, you called it like this primal kind of religious kind of element, but there's this, this kind of compulsion to continue to seek. And, and we, when we hold both, we find ourselves at odds with that. We, I want to dive into this more deeply. We need to cut to a break right now. Perry, where can we go for the folks who want to find out more about you? Um, go to evo2.org, E-V-O number two.org, evolution 2.0. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. And, and for those of you who are interested in what we're doing over in the superpower space, you know, you can always go to superpowerexperts.com. There's instructions there. There's episodes you can listen to. There's videos you can watch. It's our gift to you. We just ask that you open yourselves up to the conversations and, and, and look a little broader than perhaps you were looking yesterday. So stay with us. We're talking today with Perry Marshall about creating evolution. We're going to be right back after this break. Hello, I'm Tonya Don Reckla, Executive Director of Superpower Experts and creator of the Superpower Network. Welcome and thank you for making us your go-to place for inspired content, training, and community. The network is so much more than a place for amazing content. It's step one on the path to unlock your superpowers. Listen to one episode daily on the Superpower Network and attune yourself to inspired conversations, higher vibrational living, and much, much more. In step two, you learn with us by watching one of our inspirational videos each week from the IM series. And when you're ready, come grow in community. Our superpower programs offer a unique experience for those ready to harness their superpowers to change themselves, their lives, and ultimately, the world. Go to superpowerexperts.com and take the next step on your path today. Brilliant. We're back. You're listening to Science of Superpowers, and we're talking today with Perry Marshall about creating evolution. And before the break, I mean, you could just feel, right, the depth of the the, the layers that, that we, we were invited to, to step into to better understand ourselves, to better understand others, and I believe to better understand the nature of God. And, and I love that you're having those conversations in the scientific and 
mathematic circles. The um, the the act of, of this this paper that you wrote, right? This biology transcends the limits of computation. Let's be really clear with folks about um, that. It's essentially what like uh, could I be so dramatic as to call it an act of war? You know, or like what? How? What is the like? What did it take for you to kind of step into a space in that arena and say, you know, I, I think we need to open this dialogue up a little bit bigger than it's been before? What What was your journey like with that? Um, I think what it really took was establishing the world's largest science research prize. When, when, <laughs> You're like clout. It took clout. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I'm, I, and I'm, a, I'm as serious as a heart attack. Um, wh- when I went, so I'm going to fast forward a little bit. So I, you know, I had that conversation with Brian. I went home and man, I hit the books. And I, I'm sure you know, Tanya, most entrepreneurs are fairly obsessive people. <laughs> haven't noticed. And, um, and, and I am one of those. And I was like, all right, I'm going to buy it. If there is a book or a paper or whatever uh, that is going to give me an insight into this, I'm going to buy it and I'm going to read it. And so away I went. And and so hundreds of books, and probably thousands of scientific papers and, and, and all of this. And I started forming a much clearer picture because coming at this from an engineer, you know, engineers approach engineering is very, very, very scientific. You can't Mm -hmm. be an engineer without understanding science very well. But engineers approach science differently than pure scientists because in engineering, it's not, analysis is never enough. You have to be able to build it. Mm, It Um, has to work. And it has to work. So Steve Benner is a chemist. He says, if the airplane crashes, your theory is wrong. Um, and, and so I, and I started becoming very disturbed at the intellectual slop that passed for science in evolutionary biology, um, in contrast to some of the most incredible work that I've ever seen anywhere, which most people simply were not talking about. And this is work that goes back at least 70 or 80 years, arguably a hundred, like, you know, there's different schools of thought in any profession, right? You know, it's like, well, we should run a chiropractic clinic this way. No, well, there's these other people, they run it that way. Well, this is true in science and in evolutionary biology, there was this really dumbed down version that you find in most textbooks, which is not more than about 40% right. You know, and then and then you had these extraordinary discoveries by people like Barbara McClintock and Lynn Margulis that basically organisms engineer their own evolution, um, mm-hmm. and they've proved this. Like it's not like there's any question about it. Uh, it's repeatable. It's beyond any question. But you just never hear about it. And and so as I began to develop my my view of this and explain it to people and give talks and have interviews and everything else, I began to see that there was some really big questions that had just been plastered over, you know, with duct tape and mm-hmm. <laughs> right, whatever. And we're just, you know, we're just sort of going to wish these questions away. And, and, 
And as I started to develop a solid sense of direction, I said, I have, I have to create a situation where nobody cannot take me seriously because this is too important. Why is this important? Well, a really jacked up understanding of evolution was uh, direct intellectual support for what Lenin and Stalin and Mao all did. And they went and mm-hmm. killed a million people. They had a completely dehumanized uh, understanding of science. And I said, we cannot, this is intolerable. Um, and it, you only accomplish this by covering up questions like creating um, uh, fashioning a worldview that just conveniently skips over all of the really interesting questions and almost <laughs> conditions people to not even recognize that they're legitimate anymore. And so mm-hmm. I created the Evolution 2.0 prize, which is a $10 million prize. It's 10 times the size of the Nobel. And I announced it at the Royal Society in Great Britain two years ago. And, and it says that at the bottom of biology and genetics and life, there is a question. And the question is, where did the genetic code come from? And for that matter, where does any code come from? And where does our ability to produce language come from? And our ability to, to, to make symbols and assign meaning to things, where does that come from? And, and because I could reduce it to a simple engineering specification, like if you solve this, you've probably answered all these questions, mm-hmm. some undiscovered law of physics. And so it, it was a huge pain in the ass to put this together. I had to go raise investment money. Then I had to recruit a scientific judging panel, but I did. And, and so now it's out there and it's been written up in science journals and the financial times and. Uh, Are people buying for it? Are they, what are you getting bombarded with solutions or how's that happening? We get several submissions every month to be candid with you. About half of them are totally lame, (laughs) but not all of them are. Some of them Mm -hmm. are very interesting. Um, And I've, I've had some of the best scientists in the world tell me I'm going to win that prize. Like for example, um, I was on an interview a year and a half ago with, Lee Cronin uh, at the University of Glasgow, who is a rock star chemist. And he said, I'm going to win that prize. All right, all right, you go for it. And, you know, we're friends. I think he's a very cool guy. Um, so, you know, people, people at the highest levels of academia are taking this seriously. Well, so this sort of opened the door and got me into scientific circles. And so I, I have a bunch of friends who you know, they're scientists and they send me their papers before they get published and they ask for input. And, and then uh, a year ago, we started putting together a cancer and evolution symposium because you can't understand cancer until you understand evolution. And all of the problems with the textbook theories of evolution are basically big reasons why we're not solving cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, and so uh, the cancer and evolution group um, was offered a special issue of progress in biophysics and molecular biology. And all the presenters were invited to submit a paper. So I submitted a paper and it was just approved yesterday and it should be out in a month or so. 
That's so, I'm just sitting here with a big old grin. Like I have no right to be like proud of you at all. In fact, it's very condescending, but it, that's the feel of like, that is so awesome. And it's so like, it, it just really is um, remarkable when we start seeing these strides in the, the, the more kind of traditionally secular arenas and stuff that, that, that are opening up to dialogue that perhaps we need to be, think bigger um, than, than how we've been looking. And, and um, I, I love, I just love hearing about your journey and your, and, and the things you're creating and the work that you're doing. Um, and I find it fascinating that the, um, our processes led us to similar places. Like, so, so again, I, I see everything kind of symbolically and in patterns. Like I don't, it doesn't make any sense to other people that things are connected, but I just know that they're connected. And, and, and as you were talking, I, I, w- I was remembering the journey that kind of led me to understanding things at certain levels was, was similar in the sense that I wanted processes that would work 100% of the time. What I saw in nature was that certain things work 100% of the time, like there's an inevitability to them but that we weren't really able to duplicate that. And I was curious why. And, and, and the curiosity grew as, as I started working with superpowers and people's abilities. And what would happen is they would awaken to these abilities and they would start using them and get these tremendous results, but then, but then they couldn't. Right. And, and so, so they would just try harder, right? Well, before when I did this thing, I got this result. So I should be able to just do this thing and get the same result. Why am I not getting the same result? And, and, instead of just going, okay, well, maybe that was temporary, or maybe I'm somewhere else now, or maybe I'm someone else now, maybe the act of doing that thing altered me in some way so that now I need a new process, right? Or now I'm being shown something different. And um, and in that quest, I, I began to see really clearly how most of us hold contradictory viewpoints and we're unaware of it. And so we hold the viewpoint that, yeah, sure, there was probably some element that created something, and yet we're very clear that evolution is a thing and then and we can see it and we and but we, but we never stop like you said to ask like how do we reconcile holding those contradictory viewpoints and 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 at the surface they are very contradictory and so as, as I started exploring that and from the counter intel perspective there was a phenomenon that happened back in the 80s where um the government pulled all kinds of funding from humans because humans are messy and spies were happening and we were, we didn't know how to stop it, right? We couldn't, we didn't know how to keep people from being lured by money or being bribed or blackmailed or whatever to, to, to disclose secrets. And so they just thought, okay, we'll, we'll put it into Emmett and, and rate it and all of the controllable kind of science type of spaces because humans are, 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 are less involved there. And of course, you can guess what happens with that because we were the only ones who did that, and and not everyone was as will it was was shying away from human the human factor. Um, and so, of course, our human kind of started to fall behind. That seems to have nothing to do with anything other than the fact that 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 is actually at the heart of the matter is that we don't we don't like things that we feel like we can't control for, and so that's where the the, the relaxing into science and math. But the irony is that that's a false sense of security because what we're saying is that we're okay with only understanding things 50% of the time and that, and we're going to develop a sense of security around that, even though we know that there's more out there because we don't know how to control for it, we're not going to look at it and we're going to pretend that it doesn't exist. And then we're going to build realities based on that limited perspective. So as I was coming backwards from all of that and then started to discover that there are ways to understand how something's going to work 100% of the time, 
but not in the way that, that we're trained to look for it, right? We, to, to, to just set about trying to control for outcomes doesn't really take into account the, the creative principle. And, um, you know, that's what gets, got us in trouble in the first place, right? Thinking that we, we knew better or we knew how to create before we ever stopped to think, wait, what is the invitation here? Why would we even have the questions if there wasn't a way for us to commune with the very element that has the answers? And, and seeing ourselves as that and in that is hugely terrifying for most people. And so we keep ourselves small and limited and perpetuate that, that, um, that diatribe. And, and, and to me, it's worse than, it's worse than spreading like not full truths. It, it, it's, it's telling everybody from very lofty um, vantage points um, that, that they have to remain small and fearful. And you mentioned, you know, some of the greats that, that harness that like Stalin and Hitler who were able to, to wield that in a way that was hugely detrimental. And so we, we know it can happen. Um, but what we're not talking about is the destruction that that causes to all of us. Um, we're not talking about the fact that we don't stand a chance of moving beyond where we're at without more people coming together and kind of working together to, to resolve some of these things. And, and we're not talking about the fact that at the heart of it, we're all pretty dissatisfied. And so why are we perpetuating a reality that keeps us miserable? Um, and, and all of that ties together. And, um, and I heard myself say the other day in the, in, um, to my husband, and I was quite shocked and, and, and mortified that it came out of my mouth. But oftentimes I hear things in the reverberation, not as, not as they're going out. And, um, and, it, and out of my mouth came, I'm not here to explain something. I'm here to explain everything. And the reason it made me tremble was because that's terribly egotistical at a specific level. But where I sit now, it's egotistical for me to say anything but that. And, and it means myself is coming forward and saying, no, you have to stay small, even though you know this stuff. I can't prove it, but I do understand it. And um, and I'm seeing it in action and we're playing with it. And so um, the, it, it's so fascinating to hear your story. And, and it's it's um, I think it's so important for all of you listening to recognize that that we all have that in us to say, look, this is your gap. Like, like, don't shy away from the questions. Like they may make you nervous and they may turn off your friends and they may change your relationships and they may, you know, cause issues in your family, but, but we, we don't have to go to war. We, we can come from love and we can come together and we can disagree and we can share stories and we can figure it out. Um, but to shy away from it for fear of what might happen, I invite you all to ask yourselves what's happening now. And, and maybe how we got to where we're at and, and, and perhaps if it's not worth it to, to be a little bit more courageous in that space. When I was a junior in college, I had this English professor and he was arguably the most loved professor on campus. He was brilliant. He would blow your mind every mm -hmm. time you came to class. Um, you, you, you'd read you know, English literature from the 1600s, and he would show you how it perfectly mapped to today's CNN. Mm -hmm. He would just connect all <laughs> the dots. And, um, and, and he said, there's a progression of growth. He said, uh, when, when kids are, you know, 15 or 18 or 20 years old, they go into fields like math and physics and chemistry and engineering, and they they, they like those fields because that's where they could get exact answers and, and precision. And he said, as you grow older, if you are maturing, you become more and more 
comfortable with ambiguity and people and gray areas and imperfect solutions and inexact answers and compromises and political things. And, <laughs> uh, and, and, um, and he goes, if you want to spend the rest of your life searching for exact answers, you can go to Indian Hills Community Church. <laughs> that was the church I'd grown up in. And when he said that, I felt as though this mighty hero that I loved and admired had just hauled off and smacked me mm. on the face as hard as, as uh, he could. And I, I, the, for about the next three hours, you know, I went to the rest of my classes and I was just kind of in a daze and I was spinning around and probably about two o'clock that afternoon, I go, Hey, wait a minute. I don't go to that church anymore. Why don't I go to that church anymore? Uh, Perry, because the answers were getting so excruciatingly exact that uh, that you couldn't really stand it anymore. And so you went to your sister's church instead. Exactly the reason he was stating, right? <laughs> yes. It was like, it took me about four hours to realize, uh, I think he just told you, you're starting to grow up. <laughs> you're like, wait, that's affirmation. That's good. I, it was, I was 20 years old and it was like, hey, mm. I'm 20 years old and I'm already starting to figure out that everything in the world is not a neat set of equations. Hey, all right, I'm on the right track. And Dr. Knoll was like, as usual, absolutely brilliant. And mm -hmm. if you knew this story, he'd probably nod affirmingly and go, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's good. And I, I think the exact answers approach of that church was very useful to me. Uh, for a certain period of my life. I don't think teaching children endless um, ambiguities and gray areas is particularly helpful, uh, especially at the beginning. Um, but, you know, but I, I grew out of that. And uh, in fact, my, my dad, who had died three years later, was one of the people that kind of kept it from lapsing into absolute black and whiteness, but he was gone. And it was lapsing into that and it was time to move on. I, I love that you give voice to that because we, we recently had an experience too, where we felt drawn um, back to a church environment and, and really engaged in it. Well, it led to all kinds of beautiful growth and evolution for our family still is still feeds um, our daughter in a lot of ways that I don't, I'm not sure anything else was going to in that time. And um, you know, I, I was, I baptized my husband and then we baptized our daughter together. And, and so we have these beautiful experiences um, as a family that chooses to walk toward oneness together and, and to, to allow the faith journey to be real prevalent in our existence. And we, you know, I, it was uh, the whole time I kept looking at my husband going, do you think this is forever or are we going to grow out of this too? Do you think? And, and I know what peace was asking that because I already knew the answer. Um, and I didn't want it to be true. You know, it's like, there's a piece of me that like, just wants to be able to say, why can't I just be content like everybody else? Like why every, people, other people are perfectly happy to do the same thing for 20 years, like and get a gold watch. Like, why can't I, like, what is it? And, and it's the same aspect of me that, um, 
you know, I quit. I was a, I was a counterintel agent. I was a special agent for the government 30 days before I made tenure, 30 days before I was completely vested, 30 days before I could come back and call my shots, I quit. And um, they, they look, they're like, you can't do this. Like nobody does this. I'm like, I, but I got, I have to, like, I'm done. And they're like, but, but if you come back and I said, I'm not coming back, like wow. I'm done. Like, like and it, it, everything told me, I mean, everybody was telling me I was crazy. Like you just don't do that. And I don't know why, but from an early age, like I took my marching orders from elsewhere. And to me, it's like, I, don't, I can't explain why the obedience or why the trust in that. But over time, obviously, it's proven faithful and, and to work. And so, so it, I, my, I, my walk has definitely been emboldened. But even, even then, it was like, I, this is just happening. Like, it just is. Like, I, I think it was less a, a, a devout relationship with God and more of just an awareness of the harmony of things. And when things are out of harmony, I, I can sense it. I can feel it. I, I I know. And when when it's the path is lighted up, I'm I, I see it. And and to me, it's like, why would I go anywhere else? Like, why would I veer anywhere else? Wherever that takes me, um, I know the consequences of veering off that trajectory. And so I just don't. And and that's what led to superpowers. In the in the book, it, it explains all of that, right? Like, what was my experience being taken through? all of these different activations and being pushed and pulled and prodded and my body being manipulated and my mind being manipulated. And what was the purpose of it? If not to awaken within me, the ability to see beyond what I was currently seeing and to understand it and to be able to be in even deeper harmony with it, which is what allows me to tap into those, the torrid energies. Like I was saying, like I can feel when the creative energy is moving. I feel where it starts. I can feel how it it manifests. we, I was doing an ultrasound. I went through a period where, where I was in exploration of the medical community. I think specifically the, the veterans community, because um, there was some work I was doing in that space. It felt like in, um, but during the ultrasound, I, the, the, I remember that the, the um, I was always real hesitant to do them because they were really painful. And my doctor like, they shouldn't be painful. And the technician's like, they shouldn't be painful. And I'm like, do you not understand that I can feel the waves? like the energetic waves and like you shouldn't be able to feel those energetic waves. I was like, well, I know exactly what organ you're touching. Like I can feel it in my body. So, so it's, it's not as not invasive as you think it is. Right. When, when Neva was in utero, I, I knew she left her body and they constantly were hitting my belly with this thing to like wake her up. Right. And it jolt her spirit back into her body. And I'm like, why would you do that? Like, she's fine. Right. And, and, and the, the, the stress that that caused, and I knew it was happening, but I couldn't prove it. Right. I didn't have the vernacular. I didn't have the, the backing. I didn't have the, the, the terminology or the confidence to go against the, um, you know, like the medical institution in any of those situations and say, I don't think this is what you think this is. I think there's more happening here. Um, of course now, you know, I'm, I'm very vocal about it, but I still don't have that that credibility. And I think that's why I'm so incredibly attracted to your work, because I know how important it is that that gets established and that we can prove it in that way. Well, one, one of the things I've set out to do and done is use exact answers to prove that they don't have the exact answers. <laughs> and, and, you know, Kurt Girdle did that in 1931. There's um, so Actually, I think this is one of the most important stories in, in the history of mathematics. So um, in, the, in the early 1900s, uh, there was a mathematician named David Hilbert who 
um, he made this list and he had this conference and he said, Hey, everybody, you know, I, I think just over the next hill, we're going to nail down everything in mathematics and we're going to make it, it's going to be secure. It's going to be final. It's going to be like all these loose ends are going to get nailed down and guys, it's going to be awesome. Okay. Uh, we're going to prove everything because mathematics, mathematics is all about proof. Uh, in, in making proofs. And in 1931, uh, this young Austrian mathematician proved that that is impossible. And he, he completely wrecked the um, sort of the foundations of mathematics. Um, and he, he produced this thing called the incompleteness theorem. And basically what it was, was if I say Tanya I am a liar. Uh, that's a paradox because if it's true, then it's false. And <laughs> false and true. And what he did, he took that and he formed it into a set of complete mathematical statements in a certain language. And what he showed was that no system can prove its own co coherence. That's right. No, that's right. No you can't, yeah. No, no system can prove its own lack of contradiction. There's always something you have to assume that you can't prove. That's right. That's why people can't solve the 137 conundrum, because there's something beyond it. And if they're not willing to see it, they can't. That's why that equation baffles, or that's why whatever it is. Like, again, I don't know all the right theories. I just I just understand it, that that it can't be solved in the way that it's been being looked at, but it is the answer to everything, but it, it, you can't see it through the lens at which most people comprehend it. Well, you there's to, a beyond principle. So, so I want to be clear about what he d was and wasn't saying. He wasn't saying that mathematics is bunk. He wasn't saying it's wrong. He was saying that at some point, all of it requires a leap of faith. Mm -hmm. That's, That's right. really what it means. What, what Girdle's work showed that faith in mathematics is no, fundamentally no, no different than faith in science, faith in God, faith in I'm going to meet mm -hmm. payroll this week, that it all requires assumptions that you can't prove. And, and so so it turns out that mathematics, science, knowledge, progress, facts, all there's this, there's this rhythm. Well, it starts with faith and then you prove it. And then like you, you built your thing out another step further. And so then you can go with that for a while, but then you have to do another leap of faith to extend it even further. And that the, the, we're all in this process. And that you're mm -hmm. never going to absolutely prove everything. Um, so, like all that stuff in 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 high school geometry and all the proofs that you did, those are based on assumptions that, in mm -hmm. all likelihood, are perfectly true. But you can't absolutely prove them. And mm -hmm. this is we disagree to them. We agree to them, and there's no known exceptions. And if somebody finds an exception, then we'll change it and we'll go on, right? Which is how we all hopefully live our lives. But, but see, this puts everything in a different perspective. What I, what I did in my, 
what I did in my uh, science paper that just got approved was I took that very concept and I said, a computer cannot generate its own assumptions, but biology can. And that is what is special about biology. Biology has the ability to make a set of assumptions that are not proven and run with them. And this is, and they're not provable and they're, they're not even computable. And this is how evolution happens. This is how language happens. This is how life happens. We don't know what the thing is that makes this happen, but if we figure out, it's probably the most important discovery in the last 200 years. <laughs> that was the question that led me all the way back to, okay, but why, but why, but I, I was remember I was in this pretty deep prayer session. I was like, okay, I get it. But why? Like I could get right almost to the origin, like right to inception. Right. And I was like, okay, but why? And, and the only thing I heard was, well, it seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> and I, was, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> I guess I'm done here. Like I, I get it. Like Tonya, just stop. Like, like you're not going to go, your mind will melt if I tell you. So just stop. You know, it was, it was so fun. I mean, which is why I delight in this, this walk with, with spirit or however you, you would want to frame it up. It's, um, you know, I was able cause at the end of the day, it's like, we all still get to laugh at it. Right. We all get to, to fumble around in our human frailties and, 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 and recognize our own imperfections and delight in the fact that we get to be delighted. Um, we get to be surprised. We get to continue to be just, just amazed and, 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 and get to, to keep having those experiences here that, that continue to feed us in the quest and the deeper, um, you know, in my world and the deeper relationship that we get to form in that, um, and really be held in that and know that, that we're safe to ask those questions that, that we don't have to fear the answers. We don't have to, to shy away from them folks. So, so as we wrap up this conversation today, I hope that what you're taking from it is, is, is gather up that courage and just start stepping forward. And what you find is the very thing that you fear just kind of dissipates in the face of courage. It really does. One of my favorite lines is eventually fear is going to have to face the faith, you know, and, and it's like, it, it, at some point, like what Perry's talking about, it is faith that makes it so. So what are you going to choose to put your faith into? If you want to put your faith in fear, trust me, it will produce for you. If you want to put your faith in love and in God and in exploration and in just general, like, human kindness then 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 you're going to see that in the world um we really are that powerful and, and and we you know invite you to to start stepping on that journey or step more deeply on that journey for yourselves for of, of course we're happy to help you you can always go to superpowerexperts.com we invite you to just listen to one podcast episode a day from the network folks it will attune you to different conversations come out of facebook for a minute and just listen to something that matters right like like really be in it because our hosts come from their hearts we're, we're this is our life this is our walk we're, we're in this for the long haul and it matters and then for those of you who've been camping out in the network for a while we invite you to step two right you have to take action move beyond what you're currently doing don't get stagnant and and start watching a video each week right we have the video series for a reason again it's free for you you get to learn with us, but that's where you can start incorporating some of this stuff into your own life in, in, in your relationships, right? We, we, we have, um, we just did in God, we trust, right. The money series and, and, and we've got marriage alchemy that's coming up in a little bit. Like there's, there's just, it, just get in that container. If that's, if that's what's calling to you and in resonance, I just recommend that you take that step. And for those of you who've been hanging out in step two, start looking at the programs, right? We're not it. We're not the path for you, but we are a path. 
and we're happy to walk beside you and to support you in that. Um, Perry, uh, let's tell people once again where they can go to find out more about you. Go to evo2.org and just sign up for the, scroll down and sign up for the email series. And you'll, and you'll know what's coming up next. And we also have a podcast, the Evolution 2.0 podcast, which you can find on all the, sorry, all the <laughs> podcast platforms. And, um, and there's some really fascinating stuff uh, in those conversations. So Evo 2.0. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> Well, so great. And thank you again for coming on the show. We love having you over here and, um, you know, keep it up, keep, keep doing the, the, the good work. And we, we appreciate just being able to, to watch you from afar and, and, um, experience the, the ripple effects of, of your brilliance at work. And so thank you for doing that. Thank you, Tonya. Really appreciate okay. it. Oh, brilliant. Well, everyone out there, we appreciate you all too for listening and for your loyalty. Please remember to share these with people who are looking for a bigger conversation. Um, we know you are, and, and we have so, so much gratitude for that. Until next time, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. We love you all. Goodbye for now. Thank you for listening to the Superpower Network. Go now to superpowerexperts.com to unlock your superpowers and change your life today.